0: Amen. Amen. And that body has been called to be together. Amen. There's power in being together. I'm so grateful for this morning, uh, for what God is doing here. And uh, man, if you haven't just looked around the room, you should right now, just to see everybody. You're not alone this morning. God is here and people are here and it's awesome. The story is told about a wise king. Well, let me back up. A king and a wise man the king loved the game of chess and he thought he was really great at this game of chess a wise man came to the king one day and said I'll be glad to play your game of chess the king was so confident in his ability to win that he said fine I'll play you and when it's over if you win You can ask for whatever you want. I'll give it to you. The wise man said, All right, you're on. So they began to play their game of chess. And soon, the wise man won. He beat the king. And the king said, Okay, what do you want? And the wise man said, Well, all I really want are some grains of rice. And the king said, Fair enough. I can give you some rice. And the wise man said, fine, here's how I would like it. Seeing this chessboard here in front of us and using every square as one square, the light square in the top corner is one, the dark square, two, three, four, and so on. He said, here's the thing. Just start with one grain of rice in that top corner. And then for every square, double the number of grains of rice. King said, "Sure, I'll be happy to do that." You see, the king was not as wise as the wise man, because if you know anything about the power of exponents, you know what's about to happen. You see, in the top row, you would start with one grain. And then in the next square of the dark one, you'd have two grains. The next one, you'd have four grains. The next one, you'd have eight. Then you'd have 16. Then you'd have 32. Then you'd have 64. Then you'd have 128. Then you'd have 256. Then you'd have 512. Then you'd have 1,024. And you're saying, and the point. You see, exponential power always starts Small. You don't recognize it when it's happening, but it's happening. And exponential power carried on gets exponential. In fact, by the end of the second row, there would be 32,768 grains of rice. By the end of the third row, the power of exponents really kick in because there would be over 8 million grains of rice. By the end of the board, there would be this number on the screen. 9 quintrillion, 223 quadrillion, 372 trillion, 36 billion, 854 million, 775,808 grains of rice. Now you see why the wise man was the wise man. And that was just what was on the last square. Remember, he said, I want what's on the whole board. What it would amount to would be over 18 quintillion grains of rice, which is the equivalent of 1 trillion metric tons more than existed on the planet. He was a wise man because he understood the power of exponents. And you think, I came to church, not a math class. What are we doing here? Here's the deal. Our series is called Exponential. Because when the church of Jesus Christ gathers and is gathered together in his name, whether it be praying or worshiping or sharing truth or caring for one another, there is exponential power power greater than what you at first may realize. And that is why it is so important that we gather together. Now, if you're like me, um, gathering online for a while was cool. Gathering online after about the second week, not so cool. Something about this is just not the same. It was great. I, we, our tech team did a great job putting all that together. Worship, all of that, all of it. Yeah, it's awesome. Social media, the whole bit. Our staff did a tremendous job keeping us all connected during this time. But there's something different about being here together in this room. There's something to get different about being and hearing someone else sing, hearing someone else pray. Standing beside you is someone who's passionately crying out to the Lord, looking across the room and seeing tears come down someone's eye. You, that moment is different than sitting in your living room like me with some waffles just watching the service, right? You know, I mean, y'all didn't do that, right? Yeah, we did. So... Today, I want us to think about what it truly means to have exponential power in worship. It was no accident that our stage was filled with worshiping singers this morning. They're part of our band and worship team to begin with. Yes, that was awesome. Love all of that. Some new faces. We're grateful for them as well. Uh, there's power when we worship together. So turn in your Bibles today to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Old Testament. We're going to see a story here of the exponential power of worship. What happens when the people of God truly gather together for the purpose of worship? So in this chapter, we find that the people of God have been divided into two nations, Judah and Israel. And Judah has a king named Jehoshaphat. And he probably asked some friends. Hey, does my name make me look fat? And it was true. It was Jehoshaphat. So there you go. There's my morning pun for the day. So what we're about to read is going to be a situation that will cause the people of God to be in a little bit of a conundrum. And so I really just want to start right into the passage because in it, we're going to see what happens when they are obedient to God and we're going to see the exponential power of worship. Second Chronicles 20, I'm going to start in verse 2. It says, "Then some came and told Jehoshaphat the king, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea." How about that? He got some bad news about something that was coming from overseas. Oops. Sound a little familiar and relevant all of a sudden? He got some bad news for their country. Something's coming. And it's big. It's bad. It's bigger than you. It's badder than you. You better get ready, Jehoshaphat. And the thing about it, that information right there is pretty vague. I don't know what it is. It's a great multitude of what? Of chickens? Of people? Of soldiers? Of geese? Of grasshoppers? What? What? Whatever it is, they're coming against you, Jehoshaphat. It's mysterious, it's overwhelming, it's frightening. Have you ever had a moment where you woke up one morning and all of a sudden you got some news that something was against you? You got a report, you got a story, you got a text, you got a call, and what you thought was your place of peace has all of a sudden become a moment for you to be concerned. Verse three, it says, and Jehoshaphat feared rightly so and he set himself to seek the lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all judah smart man wise man he didn't call together his military strategists to begin with he didn't call together his economic advisors to begin with he said we have got to seek the lord first wise man and he did. In fact, he called the whole nation to come together to fast. In other words, refrain from food, from giving in to your own natural desires, so that you can seek the Lord and hear Him. And he called the whole nation to that kind of fast. Verse four it says: So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. They got together. They came together. It was time to seek God together. When something's coming against you that's big, it's time to get together. When something's coming against you that involves more than just you, it's time to get together with the others that it involves. It's time and it's wise and it's good to call other people together. So we're going to be building Uh, a sentence this morning that's going to be our point. It's going to look like several points, but we're really building on one big point today. So here's how it starts. There is exponential power when the church makes a declaration together. There's power when the people of God say, look, we all need to seek the Lord. There's power when a whole group of people do that. It's one thing to do that by yourself. It's one thing to do that with your spouse. It's one thing to do that with your family. It's quite another when you begin to involve other people and you involve your whole faith community in that and you get together and everyone's on the same page and together you make a declarative statement. We must seek the Lord. You see, God honors that kind of prayer. God honors that kind of heart. God honors when a people all come together and say, we must seek the Lord. And there's something about that moment of knowing your neighbor is right there with you. The ones you don't get to see very often are there and they're with you. You're all on the same page seeking God together. You've got someone to encourage you and you've got someone to encourage. You're all together admitting that you need him and you're all seeking him together and this is what they all came to do. It's what happens when we've Had couples stand here on this stage to be married. They've recited their vows to one another, but it's not just the two. It's the entire group that's there on that day saying together we support and celebrate this couple. It's a a group expression that says we declare together God's calling and God's love. That's a powerful moment. That's why you get together with a group for a wedding a powerful moment. It's a powerful moment when a church gets together. The song we just sang had several verses in it that were really just one word verses that said, Amen. It's a word that means, I agree. Yes, Lord. It's powerful. It used to be more popular in churches while the preacher was preaching for there to be an Amen. Amen. Thank you. There you go. I just want you to know you have the freedom here for that. I've been in churches where I've, I've known people who were the amen people, and you always knew where they were because their voice always kind of came from a certain section. You knew kind of what the quality of their voice sounded like and all that. So that's powerful in a room. It's powerful when people agree together. So I just want to say it again. You have the freedom to say amen when God puts something in your heart and you hear something in the message today that resonates with you. When there's a part of scripture, a part of the message that resonates and just like, mm, it's okay to you know, affirm that with an amen. If you want to say, that's right, awesome, or "Whoa," you can do all that too. So yeah, <laughs> preach it. I'll take any of those things. Now, at first you might think, all right, that's nice. That's really kind of nice point. But remember, Exponential power begins small. And this may look insignificant at first, but it is not. Verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. He got in front of all the people at the temple and said, Now, I have something to say. This was the king. Verse 6 through 12 is what Jehoshaphat says. And here's what he says. He says, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? Now, he's not asking these because he wonders if God knows the answer. He's asking them because he knows the answer. He's making a declaration together before the people. God, you are the one who has brought us this far. You are the one who has given us a land. You are the one who has made promises to us. You made them to Abraham. You made them to us and you will provide and you will protect. He is saying it over and over and over again. Verse eight, this land, he says, and they, and they dwell in it and they built you a sanctuary in it for your name saying, if disaster come upon us, sword, Judgment, pestilence or famine. We will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. He was reminding the people of promises. God, we will gather right here when we come to seek you and you will hear and you will save. Verse 10. And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. What a beautiful, powerful prayer. If you're facing an enemy today that you don't know what to do about, that is a powerful prayer to remind yourself with. God, you've called me. You've chosen me. You've brought me this far. You've made promises to me in your son, Jesus Christ. You will not leave me. You will not forsake me. You have given me an inheritance, and I stand in that inheritance. God, I don't know what to do right now, but you alone do. It's a powerful prayer. They are all making together. Verse 13, it goes on and it says that now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. I'm just trying to take in the power of that moment. A nation brought to its knees by what might happen. A nation uncertain about what will happen next. And the first thing that they do is come before the Lord. And they cry out to him. And I love the way this verse describes it. The fathers, the mothers, the husbands the wives, the little ones, the children, they are all standing there together before the Lord. Now, I've seen God answer prayers that I've prayed, but I've seen God answer prayers faster when Heather and I pray. And I've seen God work in even greater ways when we've involved our children in that prayer as well. Because God hears us, but he honors faith, especially when it's two or more gathered together. I'm telling you, I've seen it. When I bring my children into the conversation, even though when they were young, they didn't even understand all that was going on. When when Heather and I brought them together, and we stood in our living room or laid on our bed or wherever it was in the house that the seven of us all got together and prayed, I'm telling you, we saw God work in powerful ways at that time because God honors faith together. There's exponential power in it. I've seen it happen in groups. I've seen it happen when elders of this church gather to pray for someone or something. I've seen it when a whole church has come together and we've prayed and we've seen God move and work because God loved to show himself strong and faithful and glorious, especially to a group of people that are gathered together. Amen. And that is why we're gathered as church. Amen. There's exponential power in that. There's something different that happens. That's why trying to live the Christian life alone is no good. That's why trying to live it like Gilligan's Island or lost on an island separated from everybody else, you'll have some power, but you won't have the exponential power that could be yours. Verse 14 in the passage goes on and it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. That dude had quite a resume, I'm telling you. But here's what happened. They're all gathered together. They're all standing there together. They've all cried out to the Lord, husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, children, little ones. They're all together and they're waiting. And in the moment of together, God speaks through this one man. God is about to bring a powerful message to the people through this one man's voice. Verse 15 is what he says here. And he said, listen, all of you, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat. That's pretty bold to address the king. But because God has spoken to him, he knows he must speak. And he says, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Woo, that is a word from God. That is a fresh word. In other words, all you people, I know in this moment, you wanna panic, you wanna be afraid, you wanna get your guns and you wanna go and you wanna fight and you wanna make something happen. I know they didn't have guns. But they wanted to make something happen. He says, this is not your battle to fight. This battle belongs to God. Verse 16. Here's the action. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Zis. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness. Jeruel, He says, here's the deal. You're going to go out to battle tomorrow. But when you do, I want you to clearly understand this. This is not your fight. Sometimes you have to go to battle and be still in a battle for God to show himself strong in the battle. And mm. that's hard because when you're in a battle, you wanna fight. When you get up and someone's confronting you, you wanna defend yourself. When someone's coming against you, you wanna do something. You wanna push back. You wanna clap back. You wanna say something. You wanna do something. You wanna hold your ground. You wanna show them something. You wanna teach them a lesson. And God says, this is not your time or your battle to fight. Your role is this. You position yourself, you stand still, and you see the salvation of the Lord. God will get the glory out of this matter. Now, that would be tough to hear, wouldn't it? He said, I want you to go ahead and go on down there up against them. I want you to go on down there in the battle. You're going to walk up into it and you're going to see them coming. I'm going to tell you exactly where they're going to be. And you're going to be there. And in that moment, your job is to be still. Ooh, that is tough. And that takes faith. You're going to have to shut your mouth, not say what you want to say. You're going to have to be still and not do what you want to do. You're going to have to resist your flesh. You're going to have to die to self. You're going to have to be in a moment of absolute faith and dependence on God. He will do what he said he will do. Mm. Verse 17. Here was the promise. He said, therefore, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. There it is. For the Lord is with you. God is with you. God is with you. I can't imagine how many times they had to remind themselves of that as they're walking down as a nation and they're getting close and they're seeing the opposition come against them. The Lord is with us. 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 Even when they're shouting and they're taunting and they're wanting them to come fight, the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. They just had to keep saying it. Even when their heart might have gotten a little filled with anxiety, the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Even when they might have wanted to, to lash out, the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. And they just kept saying it over and over again. This was the promise that God made. Let's build on to our point for this morning. There is exponential power when the church makes a declaration together In faith. You see, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. They weren't seeing how they were going to win this battle. They weren't seeing how they were going to be squished like ants. They weren't seeing how this was all going to come to pass, but they were having to trust God in the midst of it. That's what faith does. Faith says, I'm going to listen to what you say, God, in spite of the circumstances. You see, faith is bigger than your feelings. We could say it another way. Faith don't care about your feelings. Faith don't care about your logic. Faith don't care about your comfort. Faith don't care about what others say. And faith don't care about statistics. You can count them up coming down the hillside. The Lord is with you. You can feel all that's raging within you. The Lord is with you. You can feel all the urge to want to do something in this moment because it's what you've always done. The Lord is with you. Faith is bigger. Faith is bigger than your feelings, bigger than the, bigger than the statistics, bigger than your logic, bigger than what you've always, always done. And you say, God, I trust you. You are for me. You are with me. Your face is toward me. I've put my faith in you, and I know you'll deliver me. I will stay true to you, no matter what the circumstances say in the moment. This is what faith does. And there's power when a group of people all together say that. When you make that declaration of trust, dependence, and faith, and you do it all together, you may say, well, what I'm up against just seems like it's impossible. I hear you. I know. But that's where God is bigger and faith is bigger. You say, well, but, but what I'm up against, I mean, what you're telling me to do just seems absolutely illogical. That just doesn't make any sense what you're telling me to do. I know. The Lord is with you. Faith is bigger than all of those things. And there is power when you say it all together as a group when a church says that when a family says it faith says it before even the victory happens you see I'm afraid in our our thinking today we say well, well of course I'll praise the lord you know I'll be glad to worship and shout and declare god is good after it all happens after the victory after i see that it worked out god says no You see, faith works the other way around. Faith trusts before the battle. Faith worships before the conflict. Faith says God is going to be victorious before the battle even happens. Before you see the answer, he's got the answer. And before it comes up in your life, you trust him with it and he delivers. That's how faith works. And when a group of people The church gathers and says, we, we trust God. We will believe what he says. We will act on it. God honors that. And God will show himself strong. So, we're building on our points here. Let's go back to the story and see what happens next. Verse 19. It says, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Quick point here. I'm sorry, that's verse 18. Quick point for leaders. Jehoshaphat's the king. When he bowed his face to the ground, everybody else bowed their face to the ground. You may not realize it. You may not understand it. But you, in a position of influence, have the power to influence what others do. Dads, if you want to see your family be filled with faith, let them see you be filled with faith. Unafraid to pray, unafraid to put your face on the ground, unafraid to sing, unafraid to worship. Ladies, if you want to see your sphere of influence be impacted by you, then don't be afraid to let them see you pray and cry out to the Lord and worship him. And for us as a church, if we want to see the community around us, we want to see others come to faith. It'll be when they see us as a people who are unashamed to have faith and to pray and to worship in the midst of our situation. Amen. Even before the battle. Now it goes on in verse 19. It says, then the Levites of the children of Kohothites and the children of the Korathites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. These were the worship singers. These were the worship leaders. And what I love about this is two of the words that it uses here to describe how they worshiped. It says they stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices, two words here, loud and high. Mm, Let's get some perspective on this. Loud This word here is is the word that means great, greater. It's the same word that was used when the Bible says that God made two great lights to rule the day and night and the greater of them to rule the day. When he talked about the massive scale of the sun, he said that word is greater, the same word used here for loud. That is one loud sun, right? (laughs) It's massive in scale. It's the same word he used when he said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation, loud nation. It's the same word that he used when he said about Jonah that the Lord prepared a great fish, loud fish, great fish for Jonah. When your worship, It's supposed to come from a place deep inside that comes out of you that is loud. I know sometimes in church, if you haven't been around much, you're uncomfortable with your voice, you're like, amen. I understand there's some times for that, that kind of stuff. There's some time for quiet worship. There's some time for still worship. There's some time for kind of broken before the Lord worship. But there's also some time that you just shout it out, amen. You're just shouting it out there. You put it all the way out there because God hears and honors that kind of faith and worship. And that's what these worship leaders were doing. They were singing loud, and it says they were singing high. Now, I don't think this means they were all sopranos. I think it means they were really putting it out there. This word high is the same word that was used by Isaiah when he had this vision of the Lord. He said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. His worship saw God high above all that was going on and he was unashamed and unafraid and these people all had that kind of passionate worship together. Verse 20, it goes on. It says, so they rose up early in the morning and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa and as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. In other words, I've got a message for you and here's what it is. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. Jehoshaphat was saying what God has said, let's believe that. Don't believe what you see, believe what he said. In spite of what you see and feel, believe what God has said. If you do, you will be secure. You won't be shaken. You won't be filled with anxiety. You won't be worrying. You won't be upset. You will be confident about what is going to happen next. Verse 21, it says, And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. In the second part of 21, it says, And as they went out before the army, they were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now that has to be the shortest lyric list of any song I've ever seen. (laughs) I'm confident they sang those words. I don't know what the melody was. I don't know what the rhythm was. But they sang those words over and over and over again they put their trust in God. God, we trust you. We believe you are gonna deliver us. We believe your word and your mercy endures forever to your children and their children, to a thousand generations. He says, we will trust in you. It's fascinating to me that it says that Jehoshaphat chose these singers and they went out before the army. In other words, when they all got lined up, they said, all right, soldiers, right over here. And they lined up. All right, worshipers, front. He didn't put them at the back. He didn't say, get way back there. You see, when I was in marching band, I played the clarinet, and usually clarinets were like, uh, yeah, way back there. Yeah, you... You don't make much sound anyway, so back there. Trumpets all at the front. You know, the drums, trombones, all that kind of stuff, all at the front. And it was usually the clarinets and the flutes at the back. are like, <laughs> you know, people are like, yeah, there's a clarinet. Uh-huh. Hey, when they chose the worshipers, they didn't get put at the back. They didn't say, we'll worship if we win. They said, we're gonna worship because God's gonna bring a victory. We put worship out front. We put confidence out front. We put praise out front. And that's what they did. They took all the worshipers and they put them out in front of the army. They went into the battle. They put praise, here we go, before their breakthrough. You've heard that lyric here. Praise before my breakthrough. He put the worship out front before the thing had even happened. This is what you do. This is what you do when you're called into a situation that you don't know what's going to happen yet. You get with God and you seek him. You get with family and you seek him. You get with your church and you seek him. And then together you say, let's go to him. You trust in him. You walk with him. You worship him and you let that be what leads And if someone comes to you and they've got some kind of negative report about what's going on, oh, we've got some more news for you. Oh, we just heard this. You know what you do in that moment? You put your worship ahead. You put your praise ahead. You put your confidence ahead and say, that's okay. Whatever the news is, God is for me. God is with me. This is not going to change what I believe about him. He has promised. He is faithful. Amen. Are you with me still this morning? Amen. All right. We're still watching this journey here. We're still walking with them as they go out. And they've got this song they're going to sing. And instead of their fear, they're going to worship. Instead of their anxiety, they're going to worship. Instead of their stress, they're going to worship. Instead of their fighting and the urge to fight, they're going to worship. Instead of doubting, instead of worrying, instead of any of that, they're going to choose to worship first because this is what you do. There is exponential power when the church makes a declaration together in faith and in worship. There's power in that. There's power when faith in here turns into voice up here. There's power between here and here. There's power in here. I can believe and God will do work in me. But there's power when you connect this with this. What does the New Testament say about what it means to even be a believer? Believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, and confess him with your mouth and you will be saved. You believe and you confess faith here, word here, faith here, action here. When faith turns into action, God blesses. That's when you're saved. That's when there's power. It's always been that way. Whatever faith and sound come together. Whenever faith and action come together, there's power. If you say, well, I just have a secret faith. I just have a quiet faith. I just don't ever talk about my faith to anybody. Well, you know, you're going to be limited in your power that you're going to see about God work in your life because there's exponential power when you connect what's here with what's here. And if you let complaint stop here to here, you're not going to see power. If you let fear and anxiety stop from you from here to here, you're not gonna see power. You're gonna see you trying to work it all out in your own strength. You're gonna try to fight all your battles by yourself. You're gonna wonder why you don't see anything happening from God's perspective. You're gonna wonder why isn't this happening like I thought. Because you're letting something stand in the way of faith turning into action in your life. It's always been this way where faith and voice and action come together. When the children of Israel marched against the walls of Jericho, it was when faith in here and voice out here came together that walls fell. And it wasn't until then. They didn't just walk around in silence and no, they sang and worshiped daily. And they shouted, and then those walls fell. The book of Acts, Paul and Silas are in prison one night, and they don't know what their future is, but they're in their prison cell. They choose to sing in the middle of the night while they're in their prison. They choose to worship God. And in that moment when the faith in here matches the voice right here, exponential power comes alive, and the ground is shaken, the doors open up, and they're set free along with some others that night. That's what happens when faith and voice all come together. You're making a declaration in that moment. You're making a declaration to yourself. You're making a declaration to God. You're making a declaration even to the unseen world. Yeah, you see, there's some others who are listening. There's some others who are listening even right now. There's an unseen world of darkness who are trying to take in what is happening even in this room. Now, I don't believe they have any power in this room because we have confessed the Lord Jesus Christ in this room and the Spirit of God is in this room. But they are listening. And they don't like it whenever we start worshiping. They don't like it whenever we start declaring faith. They don't like it when we start coming together and believing. In fact, in the book of James, it says that even demons, they believe, (laughs) but they tremble when they hear faith come alive. You see, they get real nervous all of a sudden when the connection from here to here is made in your life. If they can keep it silenced, then they're kind of happy. But the moment faith in here turns to voice out here, they tremble at that all of a sudden because now we're about to see faith come alive in a situation. And this is what's about to happen for all the children of Judah. They're about to make a declaration. And this one that we make today. This is the last verse here in verse 22. It says, Now, when they began to sing and to praise... The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. You see, the people of God went out, and they're standing there, and it's the showdown. It's them and the people of God. It's that moment, and the people of God are saying, the Lord is with us, the Lord is with us, and they believe it so deeply, it just turns into worship. It just turns into singing, and they're lifting up their voices loud and high, and it's so powerful that when all the enemy nations are all coming against them, it totally confuses them. It totally destroys them. They actually turn on each other. And if you read the rest of the story, it says they turn on each other and they kill each other. And they are no more because the people of God chose to worship God first. You see, this is what you and I have been called to. Individually, in our marriages, in our families, But as a church, mm, the more that are involved, the more exponential it gets. And remember, exponential power always starts off small. One to two and two to four and four to eight and eight to 16, just doesn't sound like a lot. Don't get discouraged when the first steps you take in your faith don't reveal much to the beginning. Don't get caught off guard. Don't get discouraged in that moment because it doesn't look like much. God is always faithful. So, in our world today, as we attempt to be the church and navigate through some very unsettling moments in our nation, man, there's a lot of thoughts that come into our minds, right? a lot of emotions. There's a lot of things that can fill our minds as believers. It's easy to get filled with some anxiety. It's easy to get worried. It's easy to become fearful. It's easy to just pull back inside and not want to have to deal with it anymore. But I have to believe scripture in times like this. There are times to fight, but there are also times to stand still and see God be the one who brings about the salvation. In fact, that's really how every battle should start. You start there regardless. Whether he calls you to fight or calls you to be still, you start with worship and praise. And you get together with others who have that faith and you find hope in that. That's why this morning as we all started singing there was some emotion for me. I'm sure there was for you. Just seeing the faces of all these singers and looking around the room and hearing the voices was like, oh my word, Lord, you are so good. You are here. All of a sudden, in that moment, my faith is like, you know, like, yeah, let's do this. Boom, you know, yes, exactly. That's what it's intended to do. That's why we get together. And God delivered them. God delivered them from their enemies. He did what he said he was going to do. I don't know what tomorrow holds for our nation, but I do know what we have been called to be and do as the church we have been called to hold forth the word of life. We have been called to hold out the gospel that changes lives and transforms hearts. We have been called to be the people of God who base our lives upon the truth of the word of God. And we've been called to be the people of God who lift up the name of Jesus. And that's what we're going to do. And please do not think that that is a small thing. When you walk out with that kind of confidence, When you walk out with that kind of certainty that God is with you, the Lord is with you, the Lord is for me, he is not against me, he will be faithful. When you stand in that kind of confidence, it will cause some confusion out in the world today. They'll look around at you like, what is up with you? What news source you've been listening to? Don't you know this? Don't you know this? And you say, yeah, I know that. But I know something else as well. I know a God who reigns over all, who has been good to me and who always is going to be good to me because I've seen it in his son, Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, boom, a door's been opened and someone is about to see the glory of God. Amen? Amen. So let us be the church in this day. Amen? Who are gathered to make declarations of faith to make declarations of worship and let us do it together with voices loud and voices high because this is how our God is glorified. Amen? This is how the enemy is set to flee and this is how the Lord draws near. Bow your heads and pray with me. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word that is hope to us, that is a rock for us, that is certainty for us. We as your people, will do what you have said. In the midst of whatever we stand in front of, in the midst of opposition that comes against us, in the midst of uncertainty and what might cause us to fear, we cry out to you first. We come to you first. And there we remember your promises. You've delivered us before, you'll deliver us again. If you gave us freedom in your son. You'll give us protection afterwards. You will deliver. You will keep us safe. You will be the one who will glorify yourself. Father, we trust in you today. This is where our hope is and in nothing else. I pray for us as a church, as Vertical, that we will know how to live out our faith in the midst of our community, in the midst of our home, and in the midst of our nation, that others might see your promise might see your goodness and cause and wonder what is this hope that you have, that it might open a door for the gospel. Father, we stand in promises today. We stand to worship at your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand.